Well, good evening. Turn, if you would, to Second Chronicles chapter 29 tonight. Second Chronicles 29. Let's pray. Father, we are glad to be in your house tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time in your word. I pray that you'd help us, God, to give attention. I pray that we would be here, not just in body, but in mind and in spirit as well. Lord, that we would uh, allow you to speak to our hearts tonight. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I know that most of you know this, but I just want to remind us anyway. A few weeks ago, we began looking at the life of Hezekiah. We know that he was the son of Ahaz, who was a very ungodly and wicked king in the land of Judah. We talked about how it would have been easy for him to follow his father's example into this life, into this life of wickedness and idolatry. And yet Hezekiah decided that he was going to take a different route for his life, and so he decided to serve the Lord. In doing that, we watched as he made the house of the Lord a priority in his life. It was not a secondary issue for him. It was not something that would just be a part of his life if it was convenient. But the house of the Lord was going to be open, and it was going to be a place that was significant, not just for himself, but for all the land of Judah. And then last week, we watched how in verse number 10, he made this declaration that it was in his heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his, or the Lord's, fierce wrath may turn away from us, that being the land of Judah. And so we talked about how it was Hezekiah's desire to have the anger of God turned away from them. But I talked about, and I tried to bring this to our attention, that a person's desire can always be proven by their actions. A lot of people want a lot of different things in life, but whenever you begin to look at their actions, you can tell what really matters to them and what is really important to them. And so as we looked at the life of Hezekiah, it was revealed that what he wanted was truthfully that, that he wanted God to be uh, uh, turned away from his anger toward them. And it was obvious in his actions that he meant business, that he was serious with what he wanted to see God do. And so I want to remind us tonight that our actions say everything that needs to be said about us. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we declare. All a person has to do is look at our actions to know what is really important to us. And so it's good for us to look at our actions and ask ourselves, is what I say and what I do, are they in agreement with one another? That in mind, tonight we will move on. As we move on, I want to ask you to do something with me tonight. I want you to think of a very common word. All right, I want you to think of a very common word. It's a word that probably all of us have used at some point. That word is simply this, opportunity. Opportunity. Did some of you think I was going to trick you with a word that you've never heard of before? Okay, some of you did. All right, no, see, it's a very simple word, opportunity. What does the word opportunity mean? If we're going to think about this word, then what does opportunity mean? Well, here is what it means. It means a set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. A set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. Now, since this is a common word, since this is something, a word that, that we've all used many, many times before, 
I don't need to spend a lot of time illustrating this, but I, I'm going to because of where the message is headed. Just a couple of examples as to what I'm talking about so that you can understand the point when we get there. Somebody may say something like this, that their child has an opportunity to attend a certain school. Have you ever heard somebody say something like this? That their child has an opportunity to attend a certain school. So all that means is this, is that all the circumstances have worked in such a way that it is possible for this particular child to get to attend this particular school, whatever school it may be. Somebody may say something like this. Well, I have an opportunity at work. I have the opportunity at work to do this or to take this job or to take this promotion. And again, all that means is here are some circumstances that have worked themselves in such a way that I am now able to do this and the illustrations could go on. Have you ever heard somebody say something to this effect? Well, I have an opportunity to invest in this particular endeavor. The circumstances are here, the circumstances are right, and so I have the opportunity to invest in this. So as we understand what an opportunity is, as we understand how an opportunity presents itself so many times in our lives, I want you to think about this truth in connection with opportunities, and that would be this. Sometimes we are interested in the opportunities, and sometimes we are not interested in those opportunities. Would you agree? Certainly there have been times, I would think for all of us, that the circumstances have presented themselves, and as they have presented themselves and have made it clear that this is available to us, whatever it may be, there have been times that we have said we are going to take advantage of that opportunity. This is just too good of an opportunity to pass up. This is just too great of a, of a deal. I mean, I'll never see a deal like this again. This is just too good of an opportunity. We are interested, or I am interested, and I am going to do this. We are going to do this. Obviously, every one of us have taken advantage of opportunities. And every one of us at different times in our lives have had, have had opportunities present themselves, and we've said, uh, no thanks, not interested, right? Hey, uh, listen, I appreciate you thinking of me. I, I appreciate the chance to do this. Yes, I'm sure this is a great deal, but I'm just not your person for this. So I, I appreciate the opportunity, but because of this or because of this or because of this, whatever it may be, we would say thank you, but no thank you, I'm just not interested. So here's an opportunity. Again, a set of circumstances that make it possible for us to do something. It could be in any area of life, and we may or may not be interested in the opportunity that's presented itself to us. So now, think about something else. How many of us have ever been presented with an opportunity and we missed out on the opportunity. It wasn't that you weren't interested, but maybe it just wasn't the right time. Maybe it wasn't that you were not interested, but you were not ready for the opportunity that presented itself because of maybe poor planning or poor execution on your part. Have you ever been there? 
So here was this perfect opportunity that you were extremely interested in, but because you were not able or because you were not prepared or because something else prevented you from it, you were not able to take advantage of that opportunity. Now here's what I want to ask you about. If you've ever had an opportunity to do something, to engage in something, to invest in something, whatever it may be, you had that presented to you, but you missed the opportunity? Have you ever looked back on regret or looked back on the opportunity with regret? And even today you would say something like this, I still wish I had of. Boy, if I could go back and have another shot at that one, I'd certainly do that. I think most of us have been there at least one time in our lives, have we not? Where this wonderful opportunity presented itself, we could have taken advantage of it, we should have taken advantage of it, but something happened and we didn't. And now what are we doing? But we're kicking ourselves because I could have and I should have and why didn't I? Now, why mention that? All right, well, remember Hezekiah. Keep in mind where he's come from. Keep in mind the background that he's got. Keep in mind the heritage that he has with his father and the influence that his father had upon the land of Judah. And remember Hezekiah's desire to turn away the fierce wrath of the Lord upon the children of Israel, the people of Judah. And remember, as I said just a moment ago in the review, that actions always prove a person's desires. And as we keep that in mind, look now in verse number 4. In verse number 4, here is Hezekiah. I know some of this is review from last week, but it's all right. In verse number 4, it says of Hezekiah, And he brought in the priest and the Levites, and gathered them together into the east street, and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place." Keep in mind that the house of the Lord has been shut up for years because that is what Ahaz, his father, dictated and determined would be the future of the house of the Lord as long as he was in control. So after years of neglect, you understand as well as I do that things would deteriorate, that things would not maintain themselves. And so here is Hezekiah saying to the priest and to the Levites, he is saying, sanctify now yourselves, cleanse yourselves, and cleanse the house of the Lord, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. So as we skip down to verse number 12, here's what we see. After Hezekiah has made his desires known, in verse number 12, it begins to list some of the Levites who were involved in this cleansing process. It says, Then the Levites arose, Mahath, the son of Amasai, and Joel, the son of Azariah. And the list continues until you get down. And I want us to pick up the story in verse number 16. 
In verse number 16 it says, And the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kedron. It says in verse number 17, Now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify, and on the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and in the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. So we have this group of men who have been given these orders to cleanse or to purify or sanctify themselves and the temple or the house of the Lord. And it lets us know that it was a 16-day process from the beginning of the process to the end of the process. So in verse number 18, notice what it says next. It says, Then they went in to Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering with all the vessels thereof and the showbread table with all the vessels thereof. Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast out in his transgression have we prepared and sanctified, and behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. So what do these men say to Hezekiah? These men say to Hezekiah, we have done everything you have commanded us to do. We have restored things back to its original condition. Everything that you have required of us it has been completed and it has been finished. So that in mind, notice now in verse number 20. I promise you we're headed somewhere with this. Notice in verse number 20 what it says. It says, Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. So he rose up early, he gathered the rulers of the city, went up to the house of the Lord, and says they brought seven bullocks and seven rams, and seven lambs, and seven he-goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, and for the sanctuary, and for Judah. And he commanded the priest, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So what is about to happen now in the house of the Lord for the first time in many, many years? Well, sacrifices and offerings are about to be performed for the first time in many, many years. You understand this, right? This has been a process, cleansing and purifying the, the Levites and the priests themselves, then getting the temple back into the condition that it needed to be in. But now, after all these years of dormancy, after all these years of sitting idle, with, with nothing going on by way of activity in the house of the Lord, the offerings and the sacrifices are about to begin once more. I don't think I have to tell you, but I'm going to anyways. This was a significant moment for the people of Judah. You understand this, don't you? For years, nothing has happened. For years, nothing, nothing has taken place. For years, I, I, I know I just said it, but I want us to see this. For years, there has been no activity in the house of the Lord, and now it's there. So as the offerings are being offered, as the sacrifices are being sacrificed, you read in verses like uh, 20, let's see, verse number 29, we'll go there. It says, And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. That's not something that had been taking place under the last administration. You realize this? 
Under Ahaz, there was not the worship, there was not the sacrifices, there was not the offerings. In previous verses, it talks about the singers who are singing, and in verse number 30, the praises that will be sung with gladness. Notice what it says. Moreover, Hezekiah the king, the, uh, moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer, and they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshiped. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now ye have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a free heart burnt offerings. And so then you come to verse number 36, and here's what I want us to see. Just a very simple point. It says, And Hezekiah rejoiced, and all the people that God had prepared the people, for the thing was done suddenly, or this, this, this was brought about quickly. This was not something that took a lot of time for it to transpire. So are we seeing the flow of events here? It may not be real exciting, but are we seeing what's happened here? Hezekiah says, we're opening up the house of the Lord. Levites, priests, I want you to sanctify yourselves. I want you to get the temple back in order. I want you to get it restored back to the way it's supposed to be. And 16 days later, they come to Hezekiah and they say, Hezekiah, we've got the temple ready. So the next morning early, what does Hezekiah do? He rises up and he takes the animals with him, what will be the offerings. And they're going to be offered there. And the people are going to sing. The people are going to worship. The people are going to rejoice. They're going to be glad. This This is something that is new to many of them or something that they had not seen in a long, long time. Fine. It's a a big deal. You say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, I want us to think about Hezekiah for just a moment. What is he? Somebody help me out. What, What is he? He's the king, right? Hezekiah is the king of Judah. What did kings have to worry about by way of public opinion? Absolutely nothing. I've mentioned this, I don't know how many times in the past, but I'm going to say it one more time. Kings never had to concern themselves with poll numbers. Kings never had to concern themselves with the re-election cycle the next term. Whenever a king wanted something to happen, you know what a king had to do in order to see that it happened? All the king had to do was speak the words and it was going to be done. It didn't matter what this person said. It didn't matter what this person said. It didn't matter what this person thought. There are examples of that truth in the Scripture where kings have wanted things and advisors have said, we would advise you otherwise. And if the king says, hush, we're going to do it my way, guess what? That's how it was done. It was always done the king's way. Somebody says, all right, well, fine. So here's Hezekiah, and what kind of a background does he have? What kind of a home life did he grow up in? He grew up in an ungodly, wicked, evil background. Did he not? That that was the kind of home that he came from. A home that said, we're shutting down the house of the Lord, and we're not going to worship God as an individual, as a family, or as a nation. And Hezekiah, here's what happens. He now ascends into the position of king. His father is off the scene. Hezekiah has complete authority now. So what does he have available to him? 
he has available to him an incredible opportunity. You see this? He's got all of these circumstances that have come together that now make it possible for him to do something. My dad may have been wicked. My dad may have been ungodly. My dad may have shut down the house of the Lord. But I am in a position now, and I have been given the opportunity to change the course of our nation, to change how we operate, to change how we do things. And here is what Hezekiah did. He did not waste his opportunity. He did not squander his opportunity. He did not listen to any naysayers or critics or anyone who may oppose him. Hezekiah realized, I have an opportunity to completely change things, to give some serious spiritual influence in the lives of a nation. And here is what Hezekiah did. He took full advantage of the opportunity he was given. He didn't waste it. He didn't squander it. Years down the road, he wasn't kicking himself, saying, why didn't I? I could have, but I didn't. I should have, but I let somebody else talk me out of it. Hezekiah did not have that in his life. He realized this is an opportunity I have before me. I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity. And where he had influence and where he had the ability to set a course of action, Hezekiah did it. So much so that offerings were restored, people worshipped, people sang praises, and they rejoiced when it came back to the house of the Lord as it once had been. Fine. All right, well, again, it's good stuff. Say, so, well, why is it good stuff? It's good stuff for this reason. You and I tonight are not kings, correct? So, well, of course not. I'm a lady. Okay, you're not a queen either, no matter how you view yourself, right? I'm no king and you're no queen. So what does that mean? It means this. None of us have absolute authority over really much, correct? You and I certainly don't have the ability to dictate the course of our nation by way of a spiritual direction, correct? If we had that authority, what would we have done years ago? We would have changed our course. Would we not have? Of course we would have. Okay. So we understand that we don't have that kind of influence. We understand that we don't have that kind of opportunity. But I want us to think about something tonight. This is very important. It is so very important that we see this. I may not have the same opportunity that King Hezekiah had. And you may not have the same opportunity that King Hezekiah had presented to him. But every one of us have an opportunity presented to us to have spiritual influence in the lives of people around us. We need to not just hear it, we need to hear this. We may not be able to control a nation, but God has given us the opportunity to have influence in the lives of people 
in so many ways, but one of them being, like Hezekiah, of a spiritual nature. Well, Brother Kyle, I hear you, but I don't know that I really believe you. All right, well, let me just prove it. You'll see that you're wrong if you don't believe me, okay? Where do we have opportunity? Where has God given us this opportunity? Well, for those of us who are married, guess what we've been given? An opportunity to have positive spiritual influence in the lives of our spouse. You realize this? See, one of the places that I have been given an opportunity to make a spiritual impact, and it will be either positive or negative, but one of the places that I have been given the opportunity to have some influence in the life of someone else from a spiritual perspective is that of my marriage with Susie. I've been given an opportunity. The circumstances have presented themselves where I have the ability to do certain things, and if I am willing to take advantage of the opportunity, then I can be a good influence on Susie, spiritually speaking. Friends, that's important. I'll say more about this in a moment, but that's important. Well, at the same time, guess what Susie has the opportunity to be to me? She has the opportunity to be a positive spiritual influence in my life. I thought you were the head of the house, Brother Kyle. I am, but it doesn't mean she has no brain and no thought process. She has the potential and she has the opportunity to be an influence on me spiritually. She may not have the potential or the opportunity to reach the masses any more than I would have it, but she can look at her life and realize, I have the opportunity to be a help to my husband. And that's important. Because we need each other helping one another, being what we're supposed to be spiritually. I don't have just a lot of opportunities in this world. But you know what God has given me over the years? At least three opportunities to influence the lives of children. I have the potential to influence them every day spiritually. I can make our house a house where we talk about the things of God, where the things of God are emphasized, where we talk about the blessings of God, where we talk about the mercies of God, where we talk about the grace of God. We have the potential and the opportunity to influence some children but we've got to recognize the opportunity that we've been given. I've been given the opportunity, maybe not to affect or influence the masses, but I've been given the opportunity to, in, to influence some people in my family. You know, things said. 
Things done. Positions taken. Lifestyles adopted. Certain things we will do, certain things will not do. It's an opportunity that God has orchestrated on my behalf. And over the years, I've had opportunity to have spiritual influence in the lives of random individuals. It's not anything rare for me. It's something that happens and is true of all of us. Whether it be a church member, whether it be a neighbor, whether it be a co-worker, whether it be a random individual that I have some influence in, I have an opportunity to influence lives. Now think about this. As an opportunity is presented to me, so is the opportunity presented to you. Now think about it. Sometimes people aren't real interested in the opportunity that they've been given. The husband's not real interested in being the spiritual influence to the wife that he knows he ought to be. There are a lot of ladies in this world who would love for their husbands to take their role more serious, but the men just are not interested in the opportunity they've been given. Okay? There are a lot of ladies who are not real interested in the opportunity they've been given to be a positive spiritual influence in the lives of their husbands. So guess what? It's not anything that they really actively pursue. They're not worried about being a positive spiritual influence on him. He's not real worried about being a positive spiritual influence on her. And then what you have is a wasted opportunity. Some parents aren't real worried about the opportunity they've been given with their children. They just kind of let the kids go here and just kind of drift here. And if a friend has influence, well, whatever. And if this person has influence, well, I guess whatever. I mean, I don't know really what to do or to say. And they don't take advantage of the opportunity that God has given them to influence their spiritual direction. Have you seen this at all in the lives of so-called Christian homes where you're looking at this going, Mom, Dad, step up to the plate and take advantage of this time that God's given you to be the spiritual guide in these kids' lives that they need, but Dad and Mom are too busy making money and Dad and Mom are too busy with their social calendars and Dad and Mom are too busy doing whatever it is they do and they don't really have time to be that spiritual influence to their children. You know what they're doing? They are wasting the opportunity God has given them. They're not real interested, so many. They're not real interested in that opportunity they've been given with family, with friends, with church family, with co-workers, with neighbors, whomever it may be. So what do they do? They squander it. And they waste it.
Tonight, what I want to remind us of is this. Is we have an incredible opportunity. The circumstances have been given to us that allow us to do certain things. The circumstances are there. The opportunity has presented itself. But in order for us to take advantage of it, you know what we've got to be? We've got to be greatly interested in the opportunity we've been given. It has to be something that we're excited about. It has to be something that we're interested in. It's got to be something that we want to attack somewhat aggressively, trying to, to determine the, the spiritual direction of this individual. I may not be able to influence them, but if I can influence this one, or if I can influ influence these few with the opportunity that I've been given, then that is worth the effort. But in order to have that influence and to take advantage of the opportunity, I've got to be interested in it. And so many are not. Until. Until the opportunity is passed. You know what I mean? And then when the opportunity is passed, you know what so many people do? They kick themselves. And they say things like this. Why didn't I? I had the perfect opportunity to influence that person right there. And I didn't do it. I had the perfect opportunity to be a better husband. I had the perfect opportunity to be a better wife. We had the perfect opportunity to be more involved in the spiritual direction of our kids, and we didn't do it. I'm just saying, there are so many people who aren't interested in the opportunities until the opportunities are passed. And then you know what? They are wishing they had taken it more serious, and they had taken advantage of what they had available to them at some point in the past. And this evening, I, I, I hope you know, I, I hope you understand this. I'm not trying to beat anyone up. And if you didn't take advantage of this opportunity or that opportunity, I don't want us to leave here tonight feeling guilty over something that we can't change. Because that's not really productive and it's not really helpful. But I don't want us to leave here tonight not learning from some of our past mistakes. Because if we can learn from some of our past mistakes, it might prevent us from repeating some of the same mistakes at some point in the future. And so what I'd like to show us and what I'd like to remind us of tonight is this. Is wherever we're at right now, you know what we still have before us? An opportunity. You and I still have an opportunity to have spiritual influence in the lives of other people. Whether it be a spouse, whether it be our children, 
whether it be your grandchildren, whether it be your friend, whether it be a co-worker, whomever it may be, you still have opportunity as much as I or anyone else has opportunity. But in order to take advantage of the opportunity, we must be interested in it. I don't know the numbers. I, I couldn't begin to know the numbers. But it seems like in our culture, in, in our world of Christianity, it seems like the vast majority aren't too interested in their opportunities. We're wasting it. We're squandering it. We're not taking advantage of it. And then we're kicking ourselves later saying, I should have. Why didn't I? If only I had of. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what your circumstances are, how you would describe your situation. I don't know. I know this of myself, though, and I'm not just saying this to try to, to identify with people. I know this for myself. I have missed opportunities that God gave me to give some influence to other people's lives. What were my excuses? Only God knows what I used as an excuse. But I had the excuses. I don't want to miss out on those opportunities again. I hope that you don't want to miss out on the opportunities. So how do we not miss out on them? Pretty simple. First of all, ask the Lord to make them pretty clear to us when they're there. You know, like, hey, that was an opportunity, or this is an opportunity. And then ask the Lord for boldness to take advantage when the opportunity presents itself. Because sometimes, if you're anything like me, sometimes you see the opportunity, but you lack the boldness to speak up and say what needs to be said. We've got to be interested. If we're not, we'll become interested when it's too late. So let's learn from our mistakes. Let's not repeat those. And let's be like Hezekiah and take advantage of whatever authority and position we have to influence others for the cause of Christ, serving him, worshiping him, and being to him what we're supposed to be. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, just to be mindful of the opportunities that you give us to be an influence in the lives of others. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to not leave here disinterested, to leave here thinking that that'll be someone else's job. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to leave here tonight determined to learn from past mistakes and past failures. Lord, that you'd help us to, to have a desire to take advantage of every moment that you give us that we might be able to help someone else. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.